Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to begin by asking you why you are here at church today. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad that you are here in church, but I'd like you to reflect on that question, asking yourself why you are here in church today. Maybe someone invited you here. Maybe mom or dad told you that you're going to church and you better get in the car. Or perhaps you're a lifelong member here at Faith, and you couldn't imagine doing anything else on a Sunday morning than being here in church. Whatever it is, I'd like you to consider why you are here and keep that in the back of your mind as we take a look at today's gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. You see, up to this point in Mark's gospel, we see that Jesus has already begun to uh, have a gathering, a following of people. He already performed his first miracle as recorded into, in the gospel of Mark by casting out an unclean spirit. His fame began to grow. People were astonished. In our text today, we see this fame continue to grow. Jesus, that miraculous healer, now enters into the home of Peter and Andrew. And seeing and hearing about Simon's mother-in-law, who is sick with a fever, Jesus went to her, grabbed her hand, and raised her up, curing her from her fever. It was as if this second miracle, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, opened up the floodgates. You see, reports about Jesus went all over. It was a, it, uh, reports about him continued to spread, and people poured in all around Jesus, asking him to heal them of their various sicknesses. We're told that in the gospel that uh, people continued to pour in until the whole city was at the door of Peter and Andrew. The sick came to be healed, and those who were healthy came to see what all the commotion was about. If you found yourself struggling with a disease, you know how big of a deal it would be for Jesus to heal someone instantly. Someone who's been born blind or lame in an instant was given back their health. Or if in the past you've found yourself recovering from a sickness, taking weeks if not months or years to be healed, you know how big of a deal it is for Jesus to heal someone instantly. If you work at a hospital or if you're in the medical field, you get the whole background experience. You see the diagnosing, the prescribing, and the treatment for all the illnesses that go on. You know how much time and work it takes for someone to be healed. Sometimes there isn't even a good solution for an illness. You know how big of a deal it is for Jesus to heal someone instantly. 
all of these people saw the value in Jesus's healing and they began to flock to him, swarm about him. They wanted to be part of it. It's at this point in Jesus's ministry when he has so many people following him that Jesus got up and left. It may seem a little contradictory. Doesn't Jesus want followers? Why would he, at this critical point in his ministry, get up and leave? The answer is, he certainly does want followers, and yet he doesn't want his followers to be hung up on his miracles. You see, he left so that they would see and perceive the greater gift that he had to offer. Not miracles, but the gift of his word. In verse 38, turning to his disciples, he said, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for this is why I came. Jesus came to preach. He came to preach, and his miracles simply revealed the authority behind his own word. In fact, if we take a look earlier in the gospel, where Jesus performed his first miracle, the people were astonished, and they said, what teaching is this, one that has authority? Those miracles that Jesus performed showed that Jesus had authority with his own words. He came to preach, and this, he desired that each of his followers would be rooted deeper and deeper in his word, just as people flocked to him and swarmed around him, desiring to see him perform a miracle. He desired that each of his followers would desire to be that in his word. And that's the same desire that he has for each of you. He wants you to be so, uh, he wants you to swarm about his word, wanting you to study it on a daily basis thinking about it over dinner, talking about it with family and your children, sharing it with your coworkers, meditating on it, praying on it. You see, God's word makes the, God's word is what makes the church so unique. Take a look at various social outings that we go to, whether it be a bowling group or a book club, maybe spending a night with family or friends. What makes church so unique? It certainly provides a social environment like each of those, and yet the church is so unique because it has God's word. Only here in church can you hear, pastor, forgive you for your sins. Only here in church can you receive God's own word in the form of bread and wine, which become Christ's own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. It's only here in church that you can receive the waters of baptism attached to God's word, which become living waters, washing you away from each of your sins. 
at the beginning of the service, I asked you why you're here today. No doubt there's lots of answers that each of you could give, perhaps as many answers as our people here in this church. We may ask ourselves, is it okay if we are here in church because mom and dad told us to? Is it okay if we are here in church because it's just a habit? I wouldn't expect to do anything else. Most certainly. It absolutely is okay for us to be in church because of these things. All of Jesus' followers followed him at the beginning here on account of his miracles. And it's because of his miracles that they had faith in him. Jesus desires each of us to come to his church, and he uses each of those means, a social mean or whether or not we like the community here, the music, each of these, he desires us to, to gather us in his church and grow deeper and deeper in his word. Because it's only his word that can heal you and me from not only our body, but our body and our soul. This is what makes the church so unique. And this is why Jesus came to preach. Interestingly, in the uh, Gospel of Mark, there's a frequent reference to raising up. You probably saw this early in the, um, in the uh, passage where um, Jesus raised up Simon's mother-in-law, taking her by the hand and raising her up. So also we find this reoccurring theme where Jesus heals people and is strongly associated and connected with him raising people up. Just a few uh, verses in Mark chapter 2, he raises up yet another person, a paralytic. And it says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. That's the assurance that each of us have. We know that Christ not only can raise up the sick, but he raises up the dead. We, when we hear that word, that word produces faith in our heart. And in faith, we receive that forgiveness, that life that Jesus freely gives. For he himself died and rose again, conquering sin, death, and devil. That's when we hear that word, that we too are healed, both in body and in soul. In the name of Jesus, amen.